<laughs> what's up, man? This is uh, a pro wrestling opinion show. What's up, man? We're, we're talking about greatest performances, Steamboat, Flair. Flair. Steamboat, and, Flair. Uh, in my opinion, three of the four greatest matches they ever had against each other, one of them we already covered on the greatest matches of all, wrestling matches of all time. They're um, April 2nd, 1989, New Orleans Superdome match, in which I attended two out of three falls, which was a phenomenal, greatest match I've attended. But today we'll talk about the three other greatest matches against each other, making it the greatest performances, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, from May 29th, 1984, the Meadowlands, East Brotherford, New Jersey, a building that no longer exists. It was torn down last year. I, I was there live in person, saw that match. Then we go to February 20th, 1989, from Chicago, Chi-Town Rumble pay-per-view of Ric Flair defending the World Championship against Ricky Steamboat. And the final match we'll talk about, May 7th, 1989, on Nashville, Tennessee, Russell War 89, Steamboat defending the world championship against Ric Flair. All right, man. Well, these now these three matches obviously are awesome matches, and uh, I just want to say up front, dude, like we we can't we can't run down what happened. In oh the heck game. no! Heck <laughs> you just have heck to watch no way. I mean, and what I love about these three matches, Logan, is each one is different than the other. You notice when two guys are feuding. You see the same in every match. Oh, you could call it. Oh, here comes the here comes the shoulder break. Oh, here comes the leapfrog. No, not these three matches. All three are different types of matches. All the, and the second and third match was just I mean one hot spot after another. These three guys are two of the five greatest workers in the history of professional wrestling, bar none. You know, all them Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan dick suckers out there, fuck, them two are in a pimple on these guys' asses. Ricky, yeah, man. Flair has always said that Steamboat was the greatest baby face of all time. And you see why in these three matches, because he sells like a motherfucker, right? Sells like a mother. Rick, Ricky Steamboat was the greatest seller. I mean, talk about baby face in peril. And Flair... The single greatest worker in the history of the sport. These two were made to wrestle each other, and they had one classic after another. These being three of their greatest classics, three of their greatest performances. Yeah, they both have great instincts, um, and they they play off each other very well. And they they are also very spont uh, spontaneous. You can tell that though they probably choreograph some things. They're willing to let things go. You got to uh, you got to understand, Logan. They've been wrestling each other on and off since 1976. So by this, by the time they they wrestle that tremendous trilogy in 1989, they're they're already used to each other. Their their greatest opponents were each other. Yeah, and they they're basically in their primes at this point, their late prime, but still. they're in their prime. 89 and all three these two, the last two matches, Flair's at 40. Is 40 years old, and I noticed, Logan, that a lot of great wrestlers, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Nick Bockwinkle, have their greatest years at the age of 40. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So let's let's talk about some of the background here with um, Flair. Um, he's, you know, obviously this dominant champion in, in NWA at this time. Um, he's he has, How long has he hold, held the title uh, to All this right, point? Well, 
When we go to the first match, May 29th, 1984, a match I attended, uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, the Meadowlands, there was about 12,000 people there that night for the NWA Night of Champions, where you had all these promotions, um, NWA Georgia, Mid-Atlantic, they are Florida. They all came together to come to go to the WWF's backyard. This was the, the height of the, the, the war, the wrestling war. It would have been more, but there was a torrential downpour that day, and so it, it affected the walk-up, or else this could have easily have been a, a sellout. At this point, Logan, Flair had been NWH, had just won the NWA World Championship for the third time six days prior in Japan where he defeated Kerry Von Erich. All right, so Kerry Von Erich got his short run and then um, dropped back to Flair in Japan. Yeah. Um, so then you have uh, Ric Flair in 1984. Now, where uh, does this – where did um, – Steamboat come out of was he? Steamboat at this point was the United States champion out of the Crockett Mid Atlantic promotion, and he had never been to WWF yet. Not yet. He had one Madison Square Garden match when everybody cooperated back in 1980, where him and Jay Youngblood had a one shot deal at the Garden. But other than that, he hadn't had a run in the WWF yet. This was seven months. Before, I mean, eight to nine months before he joined the WWF. Yeah, so here is probably where he got like noticed. Um, he has this big match with no, Ricky. No, no, everybody, everybody knew Ricky Steamboat. I mean, Ricky Steamboat was on the cover of all the aftermags. Oh, he was. Yeah. You'd have to be a you have to be blind, deaf, and dumb not to know who Ricky Steamboat <laughs> was at this point. So Ricky Steamboat here, he's he's um, he's. Does he just come into the territory, or has he he's been the U.S. No, no, this. This, like I said, this this match here in May of 1984 was a NWA co- of all uh, major territories of the NWA coming together for a night of champions. Sort of like Pro Wrestling USA before Pro Wrestling USA. You had Mid-Atlantic, the Crockett's. You had Ole Anderson in Georgia. You had uh, Eddie Graham in Florida. You had all of them come together and give this super card at the Meadowlands. Okay. Steamboat was wrestling out of the Mid-Atlantic Territory, the Crockett Territory, where he, at this point in time, was the NWA United States Champion. Yeah, now this match, um, it, Ric Flair is clearly a heel here. Um, he, he didn't really it's like... It's funny you say that. He's a heel in this match, but in Crockett at the time, him and Steamboat were the two biggest faces, and they were about to en- embark on a feud with Wahoo McDaniel, who would turn heel and uh, Chief Steamboat out of the U.S. title. But at uh, this point, yes, Flair's the heel, but in actuality, in the territory itself, where he was, him and Steamboat were the main men, they were both faces. Now, the first thing I noticed with this match is, like, you're talking about how the two matches were totally different, uh, or the three matches. Um, this match, like, had a lot of mat work at the beginning. Yes. The first half of the match were headlocks, arm drags, arm bars, uh, trying to get the figure four on. Th- that was the first half of this match. Yeah, it was almost like 15 minutes of just grappling. Um, and This was a 30-minute match, and the first 15, the first half exactly, as you put it, was grappling. Yeah, and it's like, I think that even like the crowd got pissed because I keep hearing them. At like, one point, you heard, bullshit, bullshit, yeah. bullshit now. I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, come on, man. Calm the fuck down, man. You're supposed to be smart fans. You know, you, this is how they, they're building to a crescendo. It's, at that point, Logan, in the WWF, 
You see a guy sitting on the headlock for 20 minutes. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, well, he was sitting on the headlock for 15 here, but he kept getting back to it after Ric Flair got out of it. But then finally they got to a great hand-to-hand chop battle. Of course, Steamboat gets the better of that one. They do some great, like, bouncing off the ropes. I mean, the the way they're... And they really did, they, at one point, um, a, a back... They, uh, they, they do a... a they, flying body press where they both go over the top rope. Yeah. I mean, they, they have a... Um, there's an abdominal stretch spot, and then um, he's, you know, there's there's a uh, flair of doing his, you know, pushing the refs thing. He does that in every one of these matches. He's uh, and well, if Tommy Young is the referee, he's going to do it. You're right. Flair and sleeper. Uh, flair basically like gets that sleeper on. Uh, he he tries to. Finally, there's a pin on Flair, uh, but Flair puts his leg up on the rope. You know, there's a steamboat. Pounding Flair in the corner, he does press slams. A couple press slams on Flair. Um, Flair gets a small package, goes for the suplex. He's blocked, but then um, Steamboat gets the suplex. He almost gets a, a, a count there. Steamboat goes from the top rope, does a cross body on him, almost gets it. Then he um, do, then he does the superfly splash, and I love this. This is the, right before the end of the match. A Steamboat takes it over, gets up. But Flair puts his foot on the ropes just as the referee's about to count at three. Yeah. So then he um, he tries to um, – he misses with the elbow, um, Steamboat. Uh, I think he, he does a – does he do it with the elbow off the top? Anyway, he gets a figure four. Um, I mean, uh, he, he gets actually um, – Rick Flair gets blocked on the figure four. Then the crowd's going crazy because um, – Oh, yeah, but Flair does get the figure four when the crowd goes crazy, and then he um, gets reversed. Um, Flair breaks the hole, but Flair's, like, limping. And uh, his his um, he's – yeah, he's limping, and, and he's he's trying to um, go for it again. Steamboat gets the figure four on him. Um, then Flair reaches the rope. Um, they start wrestling again, and then you see Steamboat gets on top of him and does a fucking ground and pound on Flair. <laughs> uh, um, but then um, they're just like then Flair's like he starts getting the better of um, Steamboat, but then Steamboat comes back. That's one thing Steamboat has: his babyface comebacks are awesome. You know, cause hey, no, 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 the greatest he has the greatest babyface comeback in history of the sport. To be honest with you, and I haven't watched the product regularly in 15 years. One of the guys that come closest is John Cena. With the great babyface comebacks, yeah, Steamboat, the greatest babyface comeback of all time. Uh, Stone Cold was great with his babyface comeback as well in his prime. Yeah, and when Flair noticed that, like you're way too much on fire, he would just like throw you out of the ring. That was like his move. <laughs> and so he does that here, but Flair comes right back in. Sunset flips back in, gets a pin attempt, and then Steamboat misses with the drop click, uh, kick, and then Flair does his top rope spot. He gets pressed, slam and slam by Steamboat. Um, he goes for the splash, um, steamboat on Flair and gets two count. And then, um, I think he gets, um, uh, just poked in the eye and then reverse cradle or something. I mean, and no, they hold, holding the tights, right? He, um, no, uh, steamboat goes for the, goes for the, I don't know uh, what you, I don't know what you call it. Uh, yeah, he does a cradle of his own. Flair reverses it, holds the tights and gets the one, two, three. 
Yeah, I mean it's it's a um, classic flair, you know, cheap victory, but he still, you know, he pulls the tights. But uh, I guess there was no way that like Steve was going to win this one. Um, but definitely like a great match, and probably people remembered that match uh, when they were setting up this this next series here that we're going to talk about. So now, after this match, of course, Flair goes on to dominate. Um, he becomes a member. Um, he becomes a member of the Four Horsemen. Two years later, he loses the title to Dusty in '86, gets it back. Loses to Ronnie Garvin in '87, gets it back. And so, when they go on to face each other in the the winter of ni- the winter the spring of 1989, Flair is already a five-time NWA World Champion. Steamboat for the, in February of '85 goes to the WWF and has a tremendous run. Gets the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 3 in one of the greatest matches in the history of wrestling, a match we covered on the greatest wrestling matches of all time series. But then he goes to Vince McMahon and he tells McMahon, look, my wife's about to have a baby. I'd like to take paternity for her. And, and, and McMahon was out. Makes him drop the title. He was supposed to drop the title for Butch Reed. Butch Reed in a drunken coke stupor. Misses the uh, misses the match, and so Hockey Talk Man goes over to, on Steamboat, and Steamboat's part time until WrestleMania Four, where he after WrestleMania Four in April of '88 he leaves, and then in January of '89 he shows up as Eddie Gilbert's mystery tag team partner against Ric Flair and Barry Windham, which sets up this match, February twentieth, nineteen eighty nine, Skytown Rumble. Yeah, man, and this thing was just a barn burner, man. A quick. Oh, this match. of all the matches, nonstop high spot after high spot. I mean, these guys. I mean, you, you never think of Flair as 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 quick. God damn, he kept up with Ricky Steamboat, who's one of the fastest wrestlers in the history of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, this guy, this match, I couldn't even. I'm not even gonna try to go. It was through. a blur. It was a blur. So much shit happened. <laughs> So much shit went down, um, and 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 no one was expecting um, uh, Steamboat to win this, right? I mean, the only person like, that probably knew was a guy that was sitting in the front row called Dave Meltzer. Oh, he's in the front row of this. Yeah, remember at the beginning of the match they show a, a football player named Brad Muster. Yeah. Well, uh, to the right of him is Dave Meltzer, but they make sure not to show him on the camera. Oh, really? He's got the mullet, probably. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I remember in the late '80s he had a, quite a mullet going. Um, so, so he, so that guy, that football player, was in Flair's corner, and Flair starting to babyface at this point a little bit, right? Not so much. He's still a heel. He's managed by Hiro Matsuda at this point. But he's getting a lot of cheers. Oh, Flair always got a lot of cheers. Turn Flair. I remember after Flair beat Ronnie Garvin at Starcade '87. They should have turned him. He, they should have turned him face and had a few with the horsemen instead of Luger turning face. That would have been. Great. I think that would have been great. Um, it was. It was long past due. People didn't want to boo Flair anymore. He was that good. Yeah, it's tough to boo this guy because he's so good and uh, he he was just one. Of, he was like probably one of the first like super cool heels. Um, that it was almost like they wanted to cheer him, but you know, I mean, he probably had to stay a heel just because. That's part of his persona. It's hard for him he, to view. The NWA title was always put on a uh, – you're touring all the territory. And so you're going from one – you're taking on 
the territory's top babyface. So you got to have some type of a heel persona. And so right. that's why he remained a heel. But once he became just Crockett NWA, that was when it was time to turn his face. Right, right. So what is the finish here on this one? He um Well let, let's think... talk about a couple let's talk about a couple of moves in this match. There was okay. one great move where you know he throws Flair into the into the turnbuckle and Flair does his running to yeah. try to get to the other to close lines the shit out of him before he gets That was great. That, that was this that was this one now. That there was, was this match. Yeah, that was this match. Yeah. There was one where Flair actually got his uh he got off the top rope. You know, like he made it. You know how he usually goes up there and gets caught. Um, I just remember, I don't know if it was this one or the next match, um, where he actually got his own his own top and, rope. Um, they, they you got the uh, Tommy Young. Oh, oh see, the end of the match, Steamboat goes for the flying body press. He hits both Tommy Young and Flair, and then Flair gets up and throws Steamboat over the top rope, and Steamboat does the skin the cat. Right. And, um, Steamboat catches him in an inside cradle, to get the pin and get the victory and finally win the NWA World Championship for the one first and only time in his career. Yeah, man. I mean, he basically – and then and how long does he hold this thing? For a few months, right? He holds it for two and a half months. They had the great April 2nd, 1989 match in the Superdome, a match that I, att- I attended in New Orleans. Greatest match I've ever seen live. Just great. Two out of three, four – it went 56 minutes. It, it, they built it like it was going to go an hour. Steamboat pins Flair with the with the double arm chicken wing, beautifully done. And so in this third match, May 7th, 1989, great about this match is both wrestlers are trying to set up for their finishing hold. Flair going after Steamboat's legs and Steamboat going after Flair's arms to get their, their, their finishing maneuver over. And also what was great about this match was they had the three uh, former NWA World Champions at ringside judging the match so there would be a winner. So if it went 60 minutes or there was a DQ or whatever, they would go to the scorecards and there would be a winner. Right, right. And that this – now, but this is the um, – is this the third match we're going to talk about? Or is this, this is the third and final match. Right. Series. Yes. Because the – okay, so, so Steamboat wins this um, – the second, the second match we just talked about here, he wins that, and he goes on. And does he defend the title against anyone but Flair? No, from from the minute he won the title in February of '89 till when he till this match, May seventh, nineteen eighty nine, he was in one program and one program only, Ric Flair. And so was he doing like house shows and stuff like? They did uh, a million. They did one great house show in Landover, Maryland, that's considered on this level, and it's on YouTube if anybody wants to. Uh, check it out. Type in Flair Steamboat Capital Center. A sensational match. And I wonder why this first match from '84 wasn't on uh, the network. Because that match that that I did, that, which is part of my collection, was a fan with a handheld camera. That wasn't a, a filmed by the NWA. Yeah. Why? Why didn't they film it? It wasn't. You know what? They didn't film it because on on the Crockett Television they showed the finish. But right, I remember what that. You, what you're seeing was not that film. What you're seeing is yeah, the, just fan, a video. the fans' handheld. Wow, that's all that. That's all that but, remains. Which was which was done very professionally because you you see they catch everything. Usually a handheld, it's shaky and you miss shit. Right, right. Yeah, you did a good job. So, 
so this match, uh, this last match between them here, well, actually, it's not their, is this their final match? No, they they would go on to have a very good series in 94, right before Steamboat suffered a neck injury and had to retire. They had a couple of great matches in 94. But this is the final match of this current series. Yeah, and this was just very memorable. Basically, they, they, they really uh, drew these two together, uh, right? I mean, they, like, Brought um, look in the in the late 1970s, the Mid Atlantic Territory were a bunch of old coots. You had a uh, Johnny Valentine, Wahoo McDaniel, Blackjack Mulligan. You had a bunch of old coots. Then came Flair, Steamboat, and Greg Valentine, and they set the territory on fire. But not only that, I mean, here in '89, they really helped Crockett, didn't they? Well, Crockett, was, this was no longer Crockett. This is Turner. Jim Hurd's in charge. I mean, they really, I mean, yeah, they really helped their WCW or whatever they were. Right, what right. Is it? This was about, it was still NWA, but it was, W owned the company. Right. So this feud in 89, like, ignited some business, did it not? Well, and then you had, what, what, what did even bigger business was the Flair Funk feud that was set up by this match. Right, right. right. We saw that at the end of this. Yes. That awesome beatdown by uh Harry but let's talk yeah. let's talk a little bit about this match because I did take a few uh notes. The other one, like I like we said, was Well second match was a blur. <laughs> <laughs> a blur. Now this one, um they they first do some like slapping of each other, you know, like they fucking Oh, the chops in this match the way Steamboat in this match sold for Flair's chops, it was like he was getting murdered. And Flair was selling for his big job. Oh, they, my God. So I mean, these no are the two. One, no one had the facial expressions when he was hurt, like Ricky Steamboat, where he put his hands up and was like, oh, help me. Yeah, it's, I mean, but you know that they would go to war because they're both big chop guys. So they they go to war with Chops. Flair chops like Steamboat. I mean, and like he was getting decapitated. Now, the, the guy that Flair loved to chop the best, because he would cut his chest and they would make a redounding sound with Sting. Those chops would come off Sting like, like it was a baseball bat coming off his chest. But nobody sold those chops like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he sold those chops like the ring, like he sold that ring bell from uh Oh, yeah. That was, oh, Steamboat had a, what a sensational career this motherfucker had. <laughs> now, is he if in the, did, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame? Ricky Steamboat's greatest performances of all time, it'd be a 30-part series. <laughs> is he Is he in the Hall of Fame? He was one of the first inductees into the Observer Hall of Fame. Oh, good. Now, I bet you if they looked at him today, they, they're they so snobby in that Hall of Fame, they might even be like, well, he didn't have the territory. Yeah, he did. He, he was the number one face in the Mid-Atlantic for several years. Oh, he did. Okay. All right, so... So then we have. Um, if Steamboat isn't in the if if the, if he was up for a, a vote and he didn't get in, you could shut that fucking Hall of Fame down. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. He after he's uh, losing his chop war to Steamboat, he gets back body dropped and he he bails out the ring. We're talking about Flair here. He comes back in to do a little uh, overhand wrist lock test strength with Steamboat. Steamboat gets the advantage. Um, He's he's going to work on Flair's arm again. Like he's kind of that's the theme of this. He keeps going right on that arm. Uh, Flair um, grabs his hair, pushes him in the corner. 
Then you get Flair beating up Steamboat, but then Steamboat um, comes back, you know, and uh, he's always going for this. They always the, the commentators keep talking about the chicken wing, the chicken wing, the chicken wing. He's got to, he keeps he goes from the arm bar, he goes to the chicken wing, and then I think he does like a, some kind of double chicken wing suplex at some point. Yeah, um, because champions match in New Orleans Superdome in April, a month prior to this, April of '89. The finishing move was a double arm chicken wing that Steamboat used to pin Flair, and in the first fall, in the first fall, he makes Flair submit to it. So that that that's why this match, it's the psychology is Steamboat working on Flair's arms to set that up, and Flair working on Steamboat's legs to set up his figure four. Yeah. So Flair is dropped out of the ring. He comes back. He um, he. He he kicks him he kicks him around then you have the dragon back on that arm. Uh, Flair gets uh, some good blows some good chops but Steamboat comes back with chops and then Flair throws him out. Um, I mean Flair throws um, yeah Steamboat out but he's right back in. Um, he comes like he just is relentless. Uh, we get the Flair flip onto the uh, turnbuckle. Steamboat ends up going over the top rope. They um, they rule that it wasn't illegal, and then he, um, you see, Flair basically chops the fuck out of Steamboat well, over the guardrail. They're not going to call a disqualification in this match because they have the judges at ringside, and so they're going to give each wrestler every opportunity to try to win with with a submission or pinfall, not a DQ or or a countout. Yeah, so he goes in, they're, they're on either side of the guardrail, or yeah, he chops. Um, Flair chops Steamboat and he sells it right over the guardrail into the like right the audience is right there. Um, he he ends up chasing Flair to the ring. Flair's like running from him like a rabbit around the ring. He gets back in. <laughs> then Flair does that flip clothesline spot that you were talking about earlier. Just like he just gets fucking. Oh, he gets decapitated. Decapitated. Um, and we're back on the arm bar. Uh, then we get uh, the. Um, Flair, um, <clears throat> Steamboat gets a body press, but then um, he, he oh, no, no, he goes for a body press. That's right. And then Flair drops down, and uh, he misses and goes into the rope. Oh, and- that was sensational. And this is where the best action of the match occurs. They chop the shit out of each other on, on the concrete yeah, he ricochets off the top rope to the floor. Flair, Flair now has the advantage. Um, he does a he drops that knee on Steamboat's face. He does a belly to back suplex. He um, he keeps going for the pin. He keeps trying to drag his arm down and pin him. He tries like five times to pin him. Then we get the uh, double arm suplex from uh, from uh, Steamboat. Or, or was it? I think, no, actually, it was from Flair. Flair gives a double. Oh, yeah, right, right. And then Flair on um, Flair on top rope. He goes. Um, I guess he gets um, slammed off that thing. Um, <clears throat> back body drop on Flair. Um, there's a superplex. Oh, um, that was a sensational superplex. Yes. Yeah, and then he goes for that fucking chicken wing thing. Um, I think he gets it, right? Double chicken wing uh, suplex or something. And then Steamboat um, uh, is at the – he's on the <clears> – <throat> he, he goes onto the top rope and he ends up falling and ends up on the floor. Um, and then you get the figure four. Um, 
and then I um I figured four on yeah on Steamboat right yeah Steamboat mm-hmm. and then and then uh, there's like this really quick move where uh, he goes for a slam and I guess his leg is not good his leg uh, gives out and Flair uh, cradles him for the for the championship yeah inside cradle wins the title back and there's a huge pop for it I mean and what, did, this is this is the turn this is the turn. After the match, Flair and Steamboat shake hands and they raise each other's hands. Steamboat leaves. Brilliantly booked. This is a brilliant booking by the WCW booking committee at this time. Who was it? Uh, it was the booking committee of Flair, Cornette, Eddie Gilbert, and Kevin Sullivan. That was the booking committee right at this point. And this was gr- uh, booked great. Steamboat leaves. You, you're transitioning from one feud to the next. In comes Terry Funk. Terry Funk asks Flair, hey, great match. Uh, uh, I just want to know, what can I do to get a title shot? I think I have a former WWE champion. Can I get a title shot? Flair, this is like, man, you got to get the top ten first. God, I'm not giving you a shot. And Funk gets mad, sucker punches Flair, and destroys him. Yeah, this was a very famous beatdown, and this, like, Ignited another um, uh, feud, hot, hot feud for Ric Flair, man. Like this was like even rivaling the uh, Steamboat yes. feud. Flair had best year in 1989 because he had two sensational feuds. The first half of the year with Steamboat, the second half of the year with Funk. Several, all of these matches we have covered. We covered two of the matches on this show, and we covered the Terry Funk matches on the greatest wrestling matches of all time. That's how great 1989 was for Flair. One, uh, his matches were Flair and Steamboat off the charts. Now, what happened to um, Steamboat? Why did okay. he not... Steamboat was going was transitioning into a feud with Lex Luger, who turned... He, the following month in June, there was a number one contenders match between Funk and Steamboat, the winner to get a match against Flair. And Luger was, was feeling pissed because he's the United States champion, he should get the shot against Flair. So he goes in the ring and he destroys Steamboat with the chair, setting up a feud with Flair and, and, and with Steamboat and Luger. After that great match, a match recovered at the uh, July Great American Bash, uh, uh, Steamboat left the WCW because they shorted him on his pay. He was supposed to get two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for nineteen eighty nine. And they wanted to show him about fifty, sixty thousand, and Steve said, "Fuck it." He got up and left. Oh, okay. So that's why we really didn't see him. Right. So we just and, saw him get beat down, and that was it. Well, no, but then in the match with Luger, he beats down Luger with a chair after the match is over. But the feud is inconclusive because six days later, Steve walks out. Uh, so then, where did Steve go? Steve was re- stayed retired for about uh uh. A year came back to the WWF, which they fucking put him in a dragon a dragon costume. Ridiculous. They they they. I think it was McMahon's way of punishing him, and so he was buried. I mean, he was on the lower card. They didn't push him at all. And then he shows back up in WCW in November of 1991 in the classic tag team championship match that we covered on the Greatest Matches series. Him and Dustin Rhodes against Arn Anderson and Larry Sabisco. Right, right. That was cool, yeah. And he was still in great shape. Up even uh, I think he had a little bit of a he, he he gotta stay in shape. He owes a gym. 
Yeah, he did some great stuff, and then he had like a brain aneurysm like a few years ago. Um, yeah, so. I mean, he was doing some great shit, but he was too old to be in the ring. Even though there was a wrestle that that year at WrestleMania, he had a sensational three or four minutes with Chris Jericho. That was probably the best shit on the show. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, yeah, he was definitely one of the best ever, um, and a real natural and like a great, you know. He, when he came along, it was like during that time when like Bruce Lee was big and uh, see Steamboat had that look. He had that Bruce Lee look, but he was better looking than Bruce Lee. I mean, and he was bigger. Loved this motherfucker. I mean, Steamboat was adored. The women loved this dude. Yeah, he probably got a lot of play back oh, then. Without a, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, him and Snooker, man. I bet you they're both cleaned up pretty good. Um. But, uh, but didn't kill his women though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean as far as we know, he's been a very nice guy and and family man. Um, Steamboat, right? Yes, yes. And he's been working basically for the WWF. He's a for, trainer for he, WWE. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he works for NXT as a trainer. And his son is wrestling, right? Not anymore. His son was in NXT, and I think he left four or five years ago. He finally got released. I mean. No, he's not. He's junior, not senior. Well, he didn't. So he's not even wrestling anymore. No, he's been out of wrestling four or five years. My understanding. I thought he was going to be somebody, but uh, I guess not. Uh, But in any case, uh, yeah, he's still doing there. He's still working. And um, Flair, we know where Flair is right now. (laughs) But uh, he's managing his daughter. Um, She's one of the biggest stars in the company at. At the moment, from my understanding, yes, yes, that's that's true. Um, and um, so, why don't we just um, talk about in terms of top feuds and that you know around NWA before um, the the real expansion under Bischoff? Like this is probably one of the top top ones, right? Yeah, you, know, you had Flair Steamboat, you had Flair Funk. This is 89. Uh, Flair Sting. Flair Luger was a huge feud. Did, did great business. Uh, All with one common denominator, Flair. And then when Flair when Flair leaves, the fucking company hits the shit. They go in the shit. Even though Steamboat Rude in 92 was a sensational feud. Great feud. Ricky Steamboat versus Rick Rude. Great feud. Uh, that was a great feud. Uh, you had the Vader... The Vader Mankind feud. I'm Vader, not, Vader Cactus, Flair match. Oh, that was just a match, though. That was just a match. The Vader Cactus Jack feud was a was a tremendous feud. Uh, then you go. Flair comes back. Flair's not the same, but he does. He does have. So he had the great match with uh with with uh with a, a Vader that you just mentioned. Uh, the Flair Hogan feud was was better was better in WCW than it was in the WWF. They had some real good matches in '94 when um Flair when Hogan came in and. Flair put Hogan over. Um, and then, you know, nothing. And then Flair, Flair Savage from 95 to 96 was a sensational feud. So those were the big feuds. And there's really most of the common denominators, Rick Flair. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, um, I'm just trying to think of, like, for Steamboat, like, the two high points of his career is the series with Flair in 89. And his match with Randy Savage, right? Yeah, I mean, those are his two biggest high-profile feuds. I mean, he was in a lot of great programs, 
in Mid-Atlantic, he was in a great program with Piper, uh, Flair, Wahoo McDaniel, a, a, a great tag team feud in 1983, him and Jay Youngblood versus the Briscoe Brothers. And before that, him and Jay Youngblood versus Sergeant Slaughter and Don Canoodle, some of the greatest tag team matches in the history of the sport. So Steamboat, when he was in Mid-Atlantic, was always a top tier, number one or number two baby face. Him or Flair, you could flip-flop. When, Fla- when Flair was the heel, Steamboat was the number one face. When Flair was a face, it would be uh, Flair 1 and Steamboat 1A. So Steamboat in Mid-Atlantic was always in a big program and always in a great feud. Now, I was, I was always wondering, did he ever um, did he ever do a match with uh, Snuka or Tag? There's a match on YouTube from Japan, uh, Flair versus, I mean, Steamboat versus Snuka. Okay, and, and a lot of people forget, and I remember this because I was a huge Snuka mark, when Steamboat came into the WWF in February of 85, they put him in a tag team with Snooker, and up until Snooker broke down and got caught with a bunch of drugs in Japan and was fired in June of 85, they were getting a push as a tag team. That would have been a crazy tag team. Uh, they were, yes, they, their matches against the Jobbers were great. And I remember Jesse Ventura, ooh, oh, I mean, he was like, wow, these guys know each other's moves, wow. Yeah, because they're very similar in terms of the way they. Uh, yeah, so they yeah they, uh, they were an excellent tag team, but uh, Snooker couldn't leave the pipe alone. Damn Snooker. Well, um, yeah. So this is this. Uh, so we, I mean, we're just. I guess when we talk about this, is a kind of we're starting a new series here of greatest performances when you have two guys. You know uh, what? Really, greatest rivalry. Greatest yeah, rivalry. I think yeah, I changed the name. Yeah, greatest because we had Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid, and now Flair versus Steamboat. And um, I got got to come up with another great rivalry, uh, rivalry to talk about in our in our next. Yeah, all, all right, I've come up with it, and we'll look at some matches. Uh, the British Bulldogs versus the Heart, Heart Foundation will be the next match, match series of matches we'll look at in the series. Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation versus the Heart Foundation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. So uh, thanks again, man. We'll talk again. We're talking about the movie. Uh, when we were kings on Friday midnight, so look out for that on Logan's movie reviews. Yeah, and, uh, the, on, on the on the the uh, Oscar-winning documentary focusing on the Ali Foreman Rumble in the Jungle fight from October of 1974. All right, man. Talk to you later, man. And, and, great. And, and then I want everybody to go to geekdom101.com and check out the article I wrote on Ali. And it's different, and I did this on purpose. Everybody is writing and doing documentaries and tributes to Ali, the fighter. My article doesn't mention anything about Ali, the fighter, because his life outside the ring was as significant, if not more significant, than his life inside the ring. And I bring up several examples in that article. Yes, yes. Check that article out. It's at Geekdom 101. Good article, and it's, uh, you're right, it goes Reflections on Ali to talk about his impact internationally outside the ring. Yeah, and and man, what a what a different side that people don't usually talk about with him. So great article, great informative article there. And uh, you can just check out our uh, the archives for all our boxing shows there and our movie shows on that. So uh, thanks again, man. So we'll talk uh, next uh, Friday. So, on Friday. So next week when we were kings and um, British Bulldogs. Heart Foundation over the weekend. See you next week.